about the spiritual, in inverted commas. Um, money is, is a thing that we, we use every day. It's, it's part of us. And, and Jesus is, is Lord of money. Jesus is Lord of our lives. And it's working out how that might work through. So thanks, Mal, for putting that on. Uh, we also have, um, on Easter Sunday, in three Sundays' time from today, uh, we have a great celebration, reminder that the Lord is risen, and we are celebrating some baptisms, witnessing those, sharing in, in that great profession of faith. If you are thinking about being baptized, please see me today. It's not too late to, to work for and towards that event. Good stuff. Let's pray. Father, in these, in these days... We have so much to be thankful for. And I want to pray particularly for Thursday and the week after when Malcolm gathers with people and talks through things that are about every day but cause so much burden sometimes or so much worry. Pray you would speak through him into those lives and circumstances. And may the kingdom come Saturday with the men's breakfast. Those that we've invited, those that we've, we've spoken to about these events, we pray they come. And we are praying that in, those, in that story of, of Alexander's, you would speak. And we are praying, Father, in the course next month as Alpha begins that again we would have the privilege of journeying with people as they explore about why Christianity, what's life about? Does Jesus matter? And if so, how much? And we pray that you would breathe your life into all these events. And thank you that just as we spoke and thought of earlier, thank you for families in particular today, for our mothers, for those significant people in our lives who've just given unconditionally of themselves in nurture and protection, in going more than the extra mile. We want to say thank you for the practical expressions of goodness and grace lived out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's great that we celebrate and honor uh, women and uh, made in God's image, precious children of God. And it's one of the themes that was picked up by the, the ladies' team that were in Hyderabad recently, Sarah, and the team are going to come and tell us a little bit about what they saw and what they experienced. And it's great to have you back. Welcome back. One of the team is still in India. She, wasn't, she didn't miss a flight. Uh, you'd be glad to know Kathleen. She's with uh, Dave and Annabelle, and they are kind of exploring a little bit where uh, Kath grew up as a child. There's a microphone there. It can go up, yeah. Right, good morning, everybody. Um, Right, we've been told that we've got a four-minute slot each maximum, so this is going to be a real whiz-through for each of us because there's so much that we want to share with you. 
Um, so for that reason, I've, I've written down things, because otherwise I'll just go off on a tangent and you'll be here for a long time. So um, as uh, Edward said, the team's not complete. Kath Silence is still in India um, with, uh, with Annabelle and David, her, two of her children, and uh, traveling to where she went to school, where she, where she grew up. So, so there's five of us. Um, so first of all, just want to thank you for your prayers, which we were um, very aware of. I expect, um, expect a lot of you know that a bomb went off in Hyderabad the day before we flew out, but we just felt completely safe and traveling around. We, there was just no fear, and we just felt really upheld and supported and covered by your prayers. So thank you for that. Um, so I'm just going to give an overview of of the trip, of the conference. Um, the three-day conference was held at a, a wonderful American-built Christian conference center. It's about one and a half, two hours away from Agape School and Church. And Chandra and Shaker felt that um, with lots of women arriving in coach loads, that it was safer to have it at a venue away, away from the school and the church buildings because it could attract the wrong type of um, attention, didn't want to jeopardize their safety. So the theme of the conference was in his hands and specifically um, we were thinking of Isaiah 49 verse 16 which says, see I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Um, at the conference the, the women had teaching on growing up in God and maturing into strong women of God. They were shown how uh, God used women in the Bible, um, how to be persistent and, and faithful in prayer, uh, how to be an evangelist, and for them to go back to their villages and communities and share what they had learned with others. Um, Karen and I also gave um, a healthcare training, which Karen will talk about more specifically in a minute. Um, and the aim, the aim of that was so that they could go, go back to their own villages and communities and train other women up. Um, Kath, who's not here, led the children's work and did some wonderful craft activities with them. She even taught them a Hindi Sunday school song that she'd learned as a child. Um, the banners that um, a lot of you did your handprints there and we had great fun making up the banners with the Indian ladies' um, hands intertwined with ours. And being intertwined and bound together with love was the resounding theme for the entire trip after we sang the song Bind Us Together on our first morning in devotions at the Lighthouse. The one thing we all felt strongly about the conference was the love that flowed amongst us all. We had fun with the Indian women. We laughed with them. We danced with them. We worshipped and we prayed with them. And we were aware of a, a supernatural and an extraordinary love that can only come from God. And this, this picture here, I've included this because a personal example for me um, was, was the love that I feel for this lady, baby. She's um, a lady with learning disabilities that she's been shunned all her life. She was adopted as her mother rejected her. She was raped by a Muslim man some years ago. She lives in a slum house on the edge of the dump. Um, but before I knew any of this two years ago, although I fell in love with all the, all the women, my heart was especially drawn to baby. 
And Chandra told us last week that she's pushed away from everybody. And the only time she gets love, really, is when a team goes out. And I just wanted to show this photo, as when we met again after two years, she remembered that love, and she threw her arms around me and laughed. And I, I know that it was God's love that she was feeling. And I know that Jesus was ministering to her and letting her know how much he loves her, his treasured possession. And I, I can see a change in her. Two years ago, she can't speak properly, but Chandra said she's starting to speak a bit, bit more now. And I could just see the difference in her. It's just amazing. And the message that I want to leave with you, really, is that we don't have to go to India to be channels of God's love. We're surrounded by hurting people, lost people, lonely people, people who are unlovely in the world's eyes. And God wants us to love them too with his love through us. Thank you. Morning. Um, um, as Jan has already said, um, we both did some healthcare training out there. We both work as practice nurses in the UK. Um, returning to India is always, um, to visit our friends there, is always an enormous privilege. Um, I find it very humbling each time that we go. Um, but it always, for me, and for all of us, I guess, means new challenges and stepping out in faith yet again. Um, and this year was no different. I found myself very out of my comfort zone when Sarah said, oh, I'd like you to speak to the Bible College students as well. Um, felt very ill-equipped to do that, um, but had an amazing session. And we looked at um, Jesus' response to the need in, in the community that he found himself in and, and what he did to respond to those needs. But being a woman in, Edi in India means that life is very tough, particularly amongst the women that we were with. Um, they're Dalit women, they're untouchable. You can see the lady here um, preparing either washing pans or preparing food. Now she's a lady, um, a grandmother, she's not particularly old, um, but has had a very, very tough existence. And doing daily jobs like washing, glutting clean water is very labor intensive in the scorching heat. Literacy rates are incredibly low and there's little opportunity for women to change that and change their circumstances. And I've always been struck by the lack of healthcare provision that's available. So this year, as Jan said, we decided to do some healthcare training to a very small group of women on a train-the-trainer type basis so that once we leave India, the message on how to stay healthy remains out there and is retold and retold in the communities. I had hoped for, seven, uh, for 10 women, and I'd asked Chandra to find 10 women across the state of Andhra Pradesh that could come for the training. And as we prayed, the women prayed for Jan and I before we started off to do the first session, I had this real sense of God saying, Karen, this morning you're going to have seven women, and that's enough. They're the seven. So you can imagine my um, immense shock when seven women trotted out of the hall for um, the healthcare training. We were later joined by an eighth woman, and I know Zina's going to tell you about how she came to be there. Um, and we just had a very light discussion. We talked about learning from each other. I, didn't, I wasn't going out there to sort of tell them lots of stuff and that all that they were doing was wrong. We, talked, we had three bags, um, power, wealth, and health, and asked them to choose a bag. And 
tell me why they'd chosen that bag, and there was lots of discussion around that. We drew a tree, and the roots were what we needed for good health, so clean water, immunizations, all that kind of stuff. The trunk was health, and then the branches and the fruit were what you get from that. And lots of discussions about nutrition and things like that came from that. Lots of cultural beliefs that fruit is really bad for you because it's sugary, never mind the amount of chai that they drink that's sugar-laden, um, that bananas make you ill, um, and yet they've got this instant convenience food around them, packed full of nutrition and goodness. Um, we revisited hand-washing um, and rehydration solutions, and it was really encouraging to see that messages that we'd taken out in the previous two years had been remembered and learned, and they were telling us what to do. So I found that hugely encouraging. And then we did a big session on the functions of the skin and hand, you know, burns and um, basic skin care. And again, um, just culturally, I haven't got time to tell you now, but Jan and I were very shocked, weren't we, <laughs> at, um, at the responses that um, we were given. As always in India, I feel I learn much more from the people we visit than they ever do from me. Um, this small group of women were being asked to do a very, very big and quite difficult thing to change the health beliefs of others. And not once did they ask what was in it for them. They didn't ask for money, they didn't ask for anything. And their huge servant heart both inspired me and I found it deeply humbling that their witness um, to God, they just wanted to serve God and this was a way that they could do it. Um, there's a lot that I personally could learn from that. And for these women, being a follower of Jesus means sacrifice, often at very great personal risk. Um, they and yet they pursue Jesus with a tenacity that is, a, you know, is admirable. And I want to challenge both, well, I was challenged, and I want to challenge you as well to look around in our local communities to see the people that we see day in, day out, and ask, what can we do? How can God use me to help others? How can I be a blessing to those around me? Those women expected God to use them. There was an expectancy that God changes lives. And so that's my challenge to me and to all of you, really, for us to be open for God to use us and to be expectant for God to do things. And please, these, this is the group of women, that um, these eight precious women that came forward and did the healthcare training. Please support me by supporting them in prayer um, for boldness, for confidence, and for a compassionate heart for the people that they serve. Thank you. Hello, everyone. <laughs> oh, this is very nerve-wracking. <laughs> um, I'm going to talk about what mission um, did for me and what my Christian experience was. Um, throughout my life, I've been very privileged to actually live abroad and visit many countries far away from here. So... Um, when Sarah asked me to go to India, it was the second time, because actually the first time she asked me, I said no, because I really didn't feel it was the right thing. But God, this time, said, you're going. Um, I thought hot weather, curry, isn't going to be a problem for me. Um, but actually, what I saw and experienced, could not, I couldn't have been prepared for it. It was just incredible. Um, right up until the time we left, even with the meetings we had, um, I had no idea really what God had in store for me. And to actually leave it up to him to, to guide me was not really that easy. I wanted to be in control because that's what I'm like. Um, and so I was a bit anxious. But from the minute we arrived and I stepped off that plane, I was at peace. 
Um, even, you know, every day the plans got changed and um, our meals were at most peculiar times of the day and the night. Um, you just, I just went with it. It didn't phase me at all. I was totally relaxed about everything. Um, so um, the whole journey from the beginning to the end was really an emotional one. And the emotions of love and compassion and humbleness and joy and laughter and tears and so many other things, they just grew and grew with every day throughout the whole experience. Being with this amazing team was also um, part of this journey. And God did really bind us together um, to do his work. We just regularly felt compelled to sing this song, Bind Us Together, Lord, and we really were. Um, I also felt strongly, was a word that I think Karen used earlier, or, or Jan, intertwined. I just felt intertwined with Chandra and Shaker and their family and the ladies and the children. It was just, we were just all bound up together. And it was just a word that kept cropping up to me. And I was really, really actually drawn more so to the children. Um, my heart just melted at the sight of them. I don't know if there's... Oh, that's, that's just a bit of a, a fun time together. Um, there's another one of me and... Yes, that's Victoria. And um, she was just so lovely and she just stood out for me. I mean, they all did, but particularly Victoria. And what shocked me, I thought she was about three or four, but she's actually seven. And she's just so tiny and just, you know, her, her lack of food isn't, she just hasn't been able to grow properly, but she was happy and, and enjoying all the children's work and she was just, just amazing. So words actually can't really describe what this time of mission did for me in India. Um, I was actually also more surprised to feel blessed myself and uplifted by these wonderful people. Um, all I wanted to do the whole time was just give more of me and just hug everybody all the time. <laughs> um, my Christian life has had its ups and downs, as some of you will know, and I'd really hope that in India, God would meet me in a powerful way and set me free, as Malcolm was talking about, and he did. Um, as time went on, I became more and more confident to actually pray out loud, because we, we had to do a lot of that. And I was told by my fellow team members that my prayers were um, heartfelt, and that was such an encouragement. Um, God was really using me. And, you know, on the occasions of just amazing worship and dancing, I just got carried away in the prayer time. On the last Sunday, um, I was praying, um, and I had a picture, which is the first time ever for me. My heart was wrapped in a shell like an egg and a crack appeared in the center and then it just exploded into a tiny pieces and I just felt that my heart was freed. Um, it was an enormous privilege to go to India and until I'd experienced it for myself, it was really hard to imagine what it could be like. But I would encourage anyone to, to, to step or as my husband John Brees said I should do, jump out of the boat and go and do his wonderful work because I certainly was walking on water. Hallelujah.
Okay, I think I've got about 30 seconds, so I'm going to keep this quite brief. No, that's fine. Um, it was my second time out there, so a real privilege and a real blessing to go back. Um, God really challenged me again. Uh, why would I doubt that he would do that? Um, and basically, I take so much for granted um, in two things. One is everything that I have. These ladies, they have nothing. They have perhaps a home which is just one room, uh, no running water, um, very little in their lives in the way of luxuries, color. Um, they lead very hard lives, very difficult times. And yet they have such joy in their hearts. And when they praise and when they worship, you know, it puts us to shame. Um, and one lady in particular um, who Karen had formed a, a very strong bond with two years ago when we first went called Shwarupa. And she is the lady, I don't know how clearly you can see it, she's the lady third from the right in the sort of orange sorry and she's got two children in front of her and we heard many stories over the three days testimonies from ladies but she told a story of her desperate desire to come to the conference and we noticed on the first evening before it started she wasn't there um, we were obviously concerned and Karen was disappointed but um, she arrived the first morning of the conference with a story about how she had wanted to come. Her husband had said no. Uh, he wasn't uh, pleased. She's a very beautiful lady. He doesn't like her going out on her own very much. She goes to church. He sometimes goes with her, but not that often. He's not a committed believer. But the night before, Shwarupa had spent the night praying, seeking God and desperately asking that he might work a miracle in her husband's heart. And he'd done just that. He, um, her husband had a vision, a dream that night. And the dream was that Chandra, some of you will know Chandra, um, Chandra Godi, was standing over him in his dream and, and saying, you're not honoring God, you're not treating your wife well, you must treat her better, you must allow her to go to that conference. He got up next morning, he arranged an auto, and she arrived with her children at the conference, and she was singing God's praises and you know, testifying to his greatness. So I just would encourage you, as, as God has challenged me, how much store do we set by the power of prayer? How much do we persevere in our prayers? And I would just encourage you to do that because this lady was so desperate to come to the conference that she did just that. And God performed a miracle, and we know he can do that even today. Thank you. Thank you. I have been given just a little longer than the four minutes, but... I know time is short. I wonder if we can start just by looking at um, Isaiah 61 and verses 1 to 3. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. These are the words written about 700 years before the birth of Jesus by the prophet Isaiah. It was a prophecy of how Jesus' ministry would be. And indeed, in Luke chapter, um, oh, I haven't written the chapter down. In Luke, Jesus claims these words of his very own at the start of his ministry, having spent 30 years in relative obscurity, he is baptized 
and filled with the Holy Spirit, he is led into the desert for 40 days of hunger, loneliness, separation, and battle with the devil. And then he comes out, and this time he's filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he goes to Nazareth, his hometown, and on the Sabbath in the synagogue, he reads the reading of that day, this from Isaiah. And the congregation are amazed as they listen to him because he says, today in your hearing, this scripture has been fulfilled. This beautiful passage of scripture to me has always been talking about Jesus. This is what he would do. And so it was therefore with some amazement at a trustees meeting, um, Karen and I are trustees of the charity that we go out with Agape Alive in India. Each of us individually was read these words. They were said over us. The sovereign Lord has anointed you to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted. It was incredibly moving to receive these personal words. And then in preparation for our trip, the team of us met together, and once again, one person read to another person these words, Karen, Jan, Zena, Linda, Kath, Sarah, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on you because the Lord has anointed you. And in India, we saw this coming true. We had been anointed. And then we read them to the women that we met there, saying that they were to go out. They were commissioned to go back to their communities and do the same thing. What is it about going on mission in this country or overseas that makes it so special? so often fruitful. From my limited experience, I would say it's because of many factors, being part of a team, working together as a team, knowing you're supported. It's about being covered in prayer, in preparation while we're out there, knowing, thank you so much, knowing people are praying for you. It's about being committed when we're there, often urgently to pray. But we can do that here, can't we, in our church, in our church communities. So what else is there? Well, there is the sheer luxury, to be honest, of being on mission. There's no going to school. There's no really answering the phone, no topping the car up with petrol. You know the list. It just goes on and on, and it fills our day. We also go out with a real sense of expectation that God's going to move, and the people there are full of, an, uh, of this intense expectation that they're going to see amazing things. You find a new sense of freedom. You don't have to be bound by how people expect you to be or how you think you should be. We have a willingness to say yes to whatever comes up, an acceptance of the risk that we can make a real fool of ourselves, knowing that in taking that risk, others might feel more comfortable too to take that risk. We're completely outside our comfort zone, new surroundings, new opportunities to escape and gather up our comfort blankets. We're out of our depth, and for me, that involves, and I know for others, a real sense of fear. I think that diminishes the more you do it, but there is a real sense of fear, and there's a realization that actually you can't do this. And through that, a total dependency and trust on him, whatever the outcome, the Lord's anointing for this work. The problem with short-term mission is that it's short-term. 
we come home to normal life, and those we have the privilege of ministering to go back to their normal life, often having experienced so much and being so part of a team, we feel bereft. There's a desire to return to the place of happening, the place where God is so obviously working, and as his disciples, we feel used. And possibly the problem of the short-term mission is for those who've never been and who may never go and who come and sit as you dear people are doing and listen to us. It's lovely to hear the testimonies. They're amazing. But why is it happening all over there and it's not happening here? I want to be involved in the work, but I can't go over there. Please, Lord, let it happen here. In Matthew 14, we read, Peter was in a place of familiarity. He knew the lake well, and yet he was filled with a sense of expectation. God was going to do something. He was probably full of fear as well, because he knew he couldn't do it. He was completely outside his comfort zone, and yet willing to say yes, and utterly dependent on the words of Jesus. It was just a minor point of position, Instead of being inside the boat, he was walking outside of it. These words in Isaiah are not just for those who go on mission. I have learnt, nor are they for those that are passionate about Jesus or have official titles in ministry. These words are for everyone who has committed their lives to follow Jesus. I haven't got time, but I would really appreciate it afterwards home here. If you would read those words again, Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 3, and instead of the word me, insert your name, you have been anointed to do this work. Thank you. Amen. We're going to uh, come to the table of the Lord, it's called communion, and it's, uh, it's elements, it's bread and it's wine, and it, it speaks of mission, it speaks of Jesus knowing fully what he was sent to do, it speaks of, of his service, it speaks of his, his willingness to, to get out of the boat. It speaks of him not counting the cost, but saying the Father's will. And that will is encompassing of life for our Indian sisters and brothers, for, for us. To turn to him right now, afresh, for the first time. Because he invites that voice of God, calls every one of us. Indian brothers and sisters, people here today, come to me. If you're weary and heavy laden, broken, tired, and you've tried other ways, come to me. If you're hungry and thirsty, he will feed you, nourish you, refresh you, and give him your life, and he'll give you a new life.
It's a meal of thanksgiving to say through Jesus, through his death, costly. He draws us to, the God, to God the Father. It speaks of his amazing empowerment to say we repeat this meal in remembrance, in celebration, in recalling what it says. For the here and now, for you, for the world. Let's stand together if, if you'd like.